Welcome to the Herd Quitter Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lumen. On this show, we talk to farmers and ranchers who aren't afraid to think for themselves and do things a little bit differently. We hope these guests will challenge you to look at your farms and ranches in a new way and result in a more profitable and enjoyable business for you and your family. Welcome back to the Herd Quitter Podcast. I am very excited for today's conversation with Joshua and Tara Ducart of Seek First Ranch in North Dakota. This is going to be my first conversation with a couple, and I'm really looking forward to hearing both of their perspectives on this process of building and operating a holistic management education business as well as a ranch business together. I had the opportunity to get to know them both while attending a holistic management retreat in Southeast Minnesota a couple of years ago. And I'm really grateful that you're both willing to hop on a call with me today to have this conversation. So Joshua and Tara, welcome to the Herd Quitter podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. I, I love love having these conversa- conversations. And uh, my favorite way to start out pretty much every conversation is just to hear a bit about your history. I think it gives so much more context to the, you know, all the topics and the things we're going to talk about. So if you wouldn't mind... I'd love to hear a little bit about both of your backgrounds and especially as to how they relate to ranching and, and how you found your way to where you are today. The ranch that we're on is actually the the ranch that I grew up on. Um, and, and as a kid, of course, there was lots to do here and plenty that I enjoyed about the ranch. But but one of the things that I was always pretty aware of, even as a, even as a kid, is that in, in the context of of comparing to other ranches or other farms in our area, in our county, that sort of thing, is we had a relatively small farm. And, and it was the type of thing where, where both of my parents had jobs that were outside of the, of the farm and the ranch. And, and we kind of had some cattle and we did some cropping. And it was a kind of an evening and weekend uh, type of farm and ranch. But it was actually started by my grandparents. And so in my mind, it was always a bit of a, a legacy farm at the same time, because it was just giving the opportunity to the next generation and, and just and just being able to just continue family tradition. Uh, but as I got into high school and, and I actually worked at the local grain elevator and it was there that I came in contact with a lot of different farmers, ranchers and, and agriculturalists. And good, bad, or otherwise, at that time, while I'm thinking about what am I going to do next? Am I going to go to college? Or where am I going to go? What am I going to study? Those sorts of things. I got plenty of advice from lots of individuals, uh, some that I maybe asked the question, but most of the time they would ask me what I was going to do. And many times, unfortunately, they'd follow it up with, whatever you do, just don't go back to the farm or the ranch. Because I already had kind of viewed this place as something that didn't have the capacity to support a family full time. I had already kind of written it off. And of course, I graduated from from high school. And then I went to college at North Dakota State University, got an engineering degree, got my first job. And and I was kind of off to the off to the races in my professional career, or, or so I thought. And it was at, at that time uh, that I the work was was uh, challenging, and it certainly was within the the stuff that I had studied. Uh, but I fortunately was getting to work with farmers and ranchers because I was working for the Natural Resources Conservation Service, uh, doing a lot of water development type things, a lot of infrastructure type items. And after a while, I just didn't seem like it was a, a great fit for me. 
And during the my lunch break and evenings and, and weekends, that sort of thing, I started trying to study a little bit on maybe other options. And no matter what I studied, I couldn't get away from the farming and ranching or production agricultural uh, type of, of occupation. And yet I'm still in the back of my mind thinking that I don't really have that opportunity or I didn't think so. Uh, but it was different. It was things like finding websites on holistic management, uh, mm-hmm. ranch management consultants and the ranching for profit school. Uh, I actually came across the Feral Cattle Company uh, website and, and did quite a bit of reading there. And it was things like that that started to pique my interest in this idea of maybe there's a different way to farm and ranch that actually did provide some opportunity I wasn't so sure about that because it was all about re- uh, reality versus perception at that point. And, and so I had a, a bit of a journey ahead of me uh, to try and, and study that. And, and on that journey, I started to run into uh, or, or while exploring, I started to go on tours and I talked to a lot of people, phone calls and emails. And, and for the first time in my life, started reading books for enjoyment purposes because I actually I never really enjoyed reading before, but the very first book that I can remember reading was Knowledge Rich Ranching by Alan Nation. And because I was a bachelor at the time, lived by myself in an apartment, and I did not have a TV, I didn't have a radio, I didn't have the internet, I didn't have a smartphone, I actually looked forward to coming home each night from my job so I could sit down with that book and started reading. And of course, once I finished that one, I was just on to the next one, then the next one, and the next one. And it was at that point that I really started trying to find where this was going to lead. Uh, in the meantime, I also uh, met Tara. And so, well, I'll let her share her side of the story. But we started to started trying to figure out how we were going to develop a future uh, together. So meanwhile, my perspective on all of this was very different. And another challenge that Josh kindly didn't mention was the fact that when we were dating and as we were preparing to take the step toward engagement and marriage, I was adamantly opposed to having anything to do with farming and ranching. I have a background in education. I taught middle school and elementary school levels. And it, I just didn't see living on a farm or a ranch in my future whatsoever. And so as we were having these conversations, about um, moving into marriage, we made the agreement that we wouldn't move back to the farmer ranch. And I continued uh, with my teaching and Joshua was employed uh, locally and we were living in Bismarck at the time. And it wasn't until, uh, I guess we were married, it was our first year of marriage actually that Josh brought up the concept of holistic management to me. And I think we've always been very supportive of each other's endeavors and dreams. Um, we, we'd like to talk things out and have conversations, but we've been fairly supportive of each other. So when he mentioned holistic management, I didn't have a clue what it was. Um, I didn't think that I would have any part in it. I didn't see how it would affect me personally, but I was in, encouraging and supportive of him going forward with that kind of training. And it wasn't until I started asking him more questions and he shared more about what holistic management really was. And it's a decision-making process. And it's more about the process and more about the questions. Um, And it can look differently for everybody. That was the first time in my mind that my paradigm shifted from what I had preconceived 
as um, my understanding of what I, I just perceived farming and ranching to be hard work, long hours. It, it, I didn't think that it was a culture or a community that really fit anything that I was interested in. And I was very, very close minded about it in the past. And I want to be honest about that. Did you did you come from any sort of a background or were you from the city and that was your perception at the time or, or how did you form those perceptions? I grew up in in a city. My parents both uh, were raised in families that involved farming and ranching. And yeah, I, I had a perspective that it was, I could see some damage in relationships. I could see some concerns with multi-generational. Um, yeah, I, I think I just held on to the perception of, of it being hard work and long hours and not always the best communication. And I don't, I certainly don't mean to throw my my family or their, their own personal experiences under the bus. Mm -hmm. I just, I think probably some of my conception or my perceptions of what, what it was like was based on some things that I saw, but it was also a very limited perspective. It just was something that I just didn't have on my radar. I, I, I actually wanted to live in a bigger city and I'd had a different, my eyes on a different kind of course of action, I think, for our future. But it really, it became a circumstance of where holistic management was a turning point for us. Um, and in addition to that, during this, you know, within our, our early in our marriage, we also had just some other things that we were dealing with on a personal level, some health concerns, some health issues. And, and we were seeking to find some answers. And when I became more and more passionate about the human health side, and the psychological health and physical health and more and more on nutrition, because I truly do believe now more than ever that nutrition is medicine and we, we need proper nutrition and it matters what we eat and it matters what our food supply eats. And I, that was a concept that I really hadn't thought about before. I didn't really put a lot of thought into where my, you know, how my meat was raised um, how my vegetables were raised. Uh, we just, I think I, I tended to, we've always eaten fruits and vegetables and meats, but I didn't really know or think about where it was coming from. And I certainly didn't care about or think about the health of the soil that it was being grown or that the animals were being raised or grazed on. And so once I started deeply caring about food and food quality, I started deeply caring about soil and soil health. And then once I, I, we understood this concept of what holistic management really was, and it was a decision-making process, it allowed for a lot of freedom and flexibility for us to design a life in farming and ranching that could look different from even Joshua's parents mm -hmm. and, and, maybe, and my grandparents and, and other farmers and ranchers that we knew. Just because something wasn't the right fit for us certainly didn't mean that it wasn't an okay fit for other people. And the mm -hmm. fact that we could design it in a way that could look differently and we could still work toward building soil health and building animal health and supporting human health and supporting community health, it, it really was eye-opening to me and it became a really big shift in perspective. For us, we basically the the connecting point that I saw with with us is that I was on this soil health end of the spectrum, Tara was on this human health end of the spectrum, and the ranch was the opportunity in the middle. 
And, and that was something we didn't see right away. In fact, we struggled for quite a while, continued to have conversations early in our marriage. And, and even once we started adding to our family, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Not just personally, but also professionally. And it went from uh, seeing the ranch as kind of this non-possibility, just kind of there. It's nice to go there and ride a horse on a weekend type thing it kind of switched to this idea that this might be the best opportunity we have to live out what we think is, is God's purpose for us in our family and to be able to serve others at, at, at the same time. Uh, and, and it's been a really good complementary fit, we believe, with, with my parents being here, now us being here, our kids being here, and then Tara and I having the freedom and flexibility to take over operations and be able to uh, kind of redesign the place. And like Tara said, it wasn't because my parents did it wrong or my parents or grandparents did it wrong. They did what was a good fit for them at the time. It's just that our fit and our vision uh, was a bit different. And so we've been able to mold that into place. And of course, we're a work in progress. We got a long ways to go, uh, but it's a lot of excitement being able to realize that our agricultural future here uh, we can have a lot of input into that. And I think I do want to give one example of that. I think one of my perceptions and misconceptions, I think, with a farming and ranching lifestyle was from my perspective, I saw that the the husband would be out working outside all day long. And I perceived that the woman or the wife would be trapped in the house all day long and that the two would see each other maybe when he would come in for meals or she would go take the meals out to him and it would be sun up to sundown living separate lives either locked in the house or you know locked to being outside and I saw it as being very um like living a life kind of of, of separation and captivity and I know that those mm. words seem really strong and really harsh but that's what I was thinking and this is not for every couple it's not for every marriage but Josh and I tend to like to do things together and so we like to have meals together and we like to do ranching and farming and things together and build fence together. Now that we're not always going to be able to do that, but something that holistic management allowed us to do in our vision planning was how can we incorporate quality of life and what's best for us in our relationship, that working together piece. And now that includes our kids who are currently nine, eight, and two, almost three. How can we work together on as many of these projects as possible so that we can incorporate the quality of time and building relationships while getting work done and, and enjoying it. Not that all jobs are always fun, not that all jobs are always pleasant and not that um, you don't have some wires to put out every once in a while, but when we're intentional about using that quality of time and working together, it just really helps us fit our quality of life goals. I'm so glad that I've got both of you on here because it's, I feel like it's so important to hear both of these perspectives and what you're referring to those ideas you had are probably really not all misconceptions at all. They can be a reality for a lot of farms. And that's probably why to Joshua's point about having heard from several people about how just don't go back to that business is probably because a lot of people have seen that kind of a lifestyle and what that can do to families and what that can do to, you know, businesses. And it's just maybe not that great. And so in that process of going from that knowledge rich ranching book 
and, and maybe starting to spark this idea of maybe we can make this happen to where you are now, what did that process look like of actually making this a reality and, and having those conversations? Cause that might've been a little nerve wracking too. The first time you thought when, when it started to click in your mind that maybe I do want to do this worried that maybe you've already had this conversation agreeing you're not going to do that. And I think this is probably a more common situation than, than, uh, than people think. So I, I really want to dig into this. Well, it was, it, it was those initial, that initial exploration with the, those, those websites and those tours and those books that basically opened the doors uh, to start. But what happened is I ultimately decided that that being an engineer, I was, although it was a good job, I was treated well, I got to work with good people, it was just not a great fit. And, and, and I was excited about other things. And so I explored the ability to take on a different job, in this case, a soil conservationist job still within USDA. And, and by making that switch, then I needed to go to a different location. So I ended up in, in Bismarck, North Dakota, and I ended up working for the Burley County Soil Conservation District and, and NRCS. And I, to be honest with you, Jared, when I moved there, I was plum excited that I was moving to the same city as my girlfriend. And I was... Uh, That's I, me. me. <laughs> yeah, in this case, my future wife. And, and I was also going to move to a place where I knew quite a few people. And those things alone were a better, a better scenario for me than where I was before. But what I didn't realize is I was joining up onto a team that was going to forever change my perspective on farming and ranching. And they took it from this theory standpoint of seeing these others talk about it to uh, actually putting soil, things like soil health into place, actually putting profitable livestock enterprises into place. And it was the likes of, of Jay Fear and Ken Miller and Gabe Brown and Daryl Oswald and, and many, many others uh, that were that became a part of, of that circle of, of people that actually got me thinking, hey, this might actually be possible. Th th there is more there than what I originally thought. And it doesn't take as much uh, things like it doesn't take as much land base is what I thought in order to actually be. Uh, a beneficial part and, and something that can provide a profit, provide income. And so working for the Burley County Soil District was a huge step in that process. It was also through them then that I ended up uh, being able to go to work for the North Dakota Grazing Lands Coalition as their executive director. And, and to be honest with you, it, it was things like this that that was my unfair advantage. If, if you've heard other people, and I've heard even some on your podcast talk about what's your unfair advantage, and in most of those cases, they were talking about their ranches. In this case, this was the people that I was getting exposed to and getting to learn from that, I mean, yeah, you can jump on YouTube, you can go to schools, you can go to workshops, you can do those things, but I had these people at my disposal every day. And, and, it, was, and it was the type of group to where you couldn't hardly have a bad day because they'd help you sort through things, whether it was personal or professional. And yet they challenged you every day. And we got into some conversations that I'll, that I'll never forget. And it was then that the holistic management thing kind of came to light. And I had the opportunity to go to Nebraska and, and learn from Terry Gompert at the time over a two-year program. And I remember going to my uh, the Burley County board and the office at that time and asking, you know, this is going to take me away from the office for a while, but I think it's really intensive and good training. It's stuff I can bring back. It's stuff that'll be good personally and professionally. 
And I was really worried that they'd say, well, that's nice, but we're not going to let you go. And in fact, their words were, if you don't go, we will be really disappointed. Wow. And so I have had tremendous support. And this is why my our story, I should say, is every story it has uniqueness to it. But in our case, so many of so many of our mentors had the scenario where they had been farming or ranching for a while, got into a situation where they out of necessity had to make changes and then sought out holistic management and some of those things and made changes. Or there's the other end of the spectrum where it's maybe a, a, a brand new fledgling operation that's getting started and moving forward that way. But here we were getting 10, 12 years of really intensive training and mentorship and then realized that ranching was a possibility instead of the other way around. And in some ways, that meant that we hit the ground running and really had a, a leg up on some things. And on the other hand, um, there have been some really, really humbling lessons uh, that we've learned since we've been here. And you can know everything you want to know in theory and principle until you apply it on the ground and you get smacked around by some drought or, or, or lots of other things that can happen, uh, as you well know, it's then that your metal gets tested and, and yeah. you start to really dig into the, um, the core of some of these types of things that I had learned uh, and, and, and needed to put into practice to an even greater uh, level than, I, than we were. Yeah, and I want to get into those, those experiences too because that is a unique perspective coming from having the education and moving into a ranching as opposed to ranching and then figuring out some education later. But uh, before that, actually, Tara, do you have anything to add on that transition in your your experience as he went through this 10, 12 years and, and he was getting out, you know, what were you doing at the time? And, and was it, you know, I, I think my wife sometimes too gets, I, I come home with all these ideas. I, you know, I'm reading, I'm learning, I'm listening to podcasts all the time. And then I come home and I'm just like, Val, <laughs> like, here's all this stuff. And sometimes she's probably just like, you know, just, I can't. Uh, and so I'm just curious from yours, as he was coming along with these ideas and these experiences, what was that transition like for you? I think, a lot of it is what I already described before that it, it was a slow shift. I mean, it de definitely didn't happen overnight. The change in my perspective and perception of what farming and ranching could be. Uh, it was a very slow process having that deep understanding, like I talked about before with our connection from human health to animal health and soil health and plant health. So as, as we were, you know, kind of navigating that, I think Joshua mentioned, yeah, for him, it, it was, he, he was studying the animal part of things and more the soil part of things. And I was continuing to study human behaviors and human health and, and seeing how those things really intertwined. And it, and in our case, I mean, this is definitely God working through our lives because where we were living in Bismarck was kind of a compromise that we had made in, in the area of the town that we were living in. Um, it, it did not live up to either one of our expectations. It, we, we compromised. And in doing that, we, instead of getting a little bit of what we both wanted, we unintentionally got a lot of what I didn't want and a lot of what he didn't want. And um, we, it was difficult for us bringing children into our family. And we had a son who was 
born with some very significant health concerns at the beginning of his life. And so that was just kind of a, a struggle in our early parenting years and um, a big push to actually decide to move to the ranch came from needing and wanting some of the extra support. And it actually, I went from, from thinking that I was so adamantly, adamantly opposed to moving to the ranch. Again, when we got engaged, it was under the agreement between the two of us that that would not be an option. Um, it was something that I was not willing to do. And, but I needed to know that he was okay with that choice to not move to the ranch. And at the time he said that was okay. I imagine that he was probably still, maybe you're not, I can't speak for you, but maybe Joshua was secretly hoping that I would change my mind, but that's just an area where God worked through it. And in, he showed me what I really was longing for in that stage in, for me in, in that stage in our lives, I was longing for a sense of community and I was longing for support and to have people who loved my children as much as, as we did so that I could, I wanted to raise children with other parents and with other families. And I wanted connections to other moms and I wanted access to healthy food. And, and I thought that that would be easier to get than, than what it was for our reality. And so learning that I could have, even though we live, I perceived it to be very isolating out here. Like to, I thought I would be very isolated out here, not living right in town and not having any next door neighbors. And it certainly is not everybody's dream to live a quarter of a mile away from their in-laws. And so again, God works through it and I love it. There is no place that I would rather be. We have put roots down here. Uh, for me, putting roots down here, it's for the first time in my adult life. I, I love the multi-generational opportunity. I love the things that our kids can learn from their grandparents that we can't necessarily teach them because we don't have those skills or gifts. And it, it comes with its own challenges too, of course, but we have learned to be really grateful and really appreciative of those relationships and of the support and our friends within our community, whether they are a couple of miles away from us or whether they are across the state or people that we've met through different schools that we've taught. Um, they all kind of become part of our learning community and part of our support system and part of our family. And we like to ask each other challenging questions and we want to grow together. And so I think your family and your community is whoever you choose it to be. And I think the mindset is just really important. So yeah, when we moved here, it was kind of at a place when we decided to move to the ranch, um, I was at a, a place where I was just kind of desperate for something different. And I think Joshua was thinking the same things and we hadn't necessarily had that conversation out loud at that point. It was just probably both in our heads individually. And he came home from work one afternoon and I was, um, I had left my teaching job to be home with our two kids at the time when they were about one and two, I think is when we had this conversation. And um, I said, Joshua, listen, I think, you know what, I think we should just, I think we should move to the ranch. And I think he was in stunned silence because you had like an 18 point <laughs> plan for how, for all the reasons and the rationale, Joshua is, has an engineer background, so he's very analytical. So he had this, I'm sure, 18 point plan for how all the, the reasons and the, the, the bullet points for why moving to the ranch was the right way to go. And I didn't even need to see that list. I just, I, I, I only got through the first two points and she spoke up and, and, and <laughs> I was, I, I, I didn't realize that was coming. Uh, but the other piece of this that kind of brought that together is 
when I got my holistic management training 2008 through 2010, I had the opportunity to travel with this Terry Gompert and with some others. And of course, when you go to different environments and you see agriculture, you know, done in different ways and families, you know, doing it in, in different ways, uh, that, that was really eye opening for me. And it was really good exposure for me. And a couple of years later, we actually started doing, Tara and I started, started teaching together and doing some facilitation work together. And it was during that time that I was, I was already seeing the difference that holistic management was making in people's lives uh, by, by just changing some paradigms and, and, and in some ways giving them permission to do things that they didn't think were possible. And, and then Tara got exposed to that as well. And I think it honestly, as much as I hope we helped other people, uh, I think it helped us a lot too. And it brought us closer into alignment on what our vision was for, for the future. And really our, our holistic management business is basically another enterprise uh, to the ranch. And, and, has, and has gained even more clarity for us since we've been here on the ranch, simply because, well, I've, I've struggled a little bit with credibility in the past, and now I, not that I know it all by any means, but there's some additional things that we can share from a firsthand basis that we couldn't before, and the ranch has provided that ability uh, as, as well. And, and so now with the teaching of our schools and the facilitation work that we do, there's a tremendous amount of, of benefit that we get from that as well and work really, really hard to help people any way we can uh, going the other direction. We've thrown this term out quite a few times now, and maybe maybe it'd be good just for our listeners to get a definition and what is holistic management. And I know I think when I was at that intro to holistic management course, it was three days. Uh, I wish we could talk for three days because I'm sure we could. Uh, but in you know a minute, two minutes here, what what is holistic management? Holistic management is a decision making framework. It was uh, started by Alan Savory, and it encompasses three components and and you want to keep these three things in balance and so there is the the people component so that would include you know relationships as far as you want to extend that so there's the people or the social component there is the financial component and then there is the resource-based component and then that's going to include everything from land to animals any other resources. So I think you could probably think of anything off of the top of your head and it would likely fall into, or you could fit it into one of those three categories. And it's really the concept of keeping those three components in balance. And they're not always going to be, you know, all perfectly in balance every moment of every day. But I think a lot of us can recognize that we could have a perfect grazing plan and everything could, could just be stellar with the weather. Uh, but if, if we're working really hard on one thing and our family life, our personal life is somehow suffering, then we're unbalanced or we can have a great grazing plan, but we're still not profitable because we have some other circumstances um, from a some kind of financial strain somewhere that we aren't addressing. Uh, you, we need the finances to be able to live and to live comfortably in, in the means that we desire or that we hope for. We need to have a strong enough resource base um, so that all of that is balanced. And, and we find, and I think this is where we have, and this maybe segues to something different, but 
But I think the part that oftentimes gets ignored in the farming and ranching community is that social piece or that relationship piece. And from my perspective, as an educator, I I spent the majority of my time teaching middle schoolers. And I just, you know, I, I saw how they would navigate relationships and the peer pressures and things like that. And, you know, adults do the same thing. There's peer pressure and, and there's, you know, a lot of things that people just don't necessarily outgrow. And there's a, a lot of people unintentionally, I think, make assumptions. Um, and so we've seen a lot of things in the farming and ranching community, like when couples don't communicate well, it, it negatively affects not just the family, but it affects the business. And when you have a multi-generational operation, when the older generation is not communicating clearly or effectively with the younger generation, or when you know maybe the older generation, for example, is waiting for the younger one to step up, and maybe the younger generation is waiting for the older generation to relinquish control, just all those different really unique dynamics that come with this kind of agricultural business where it's not just a family life, it's a business and it's a lifestyle. And that's very unique. And so with holistic management, again, it's keeping those things in balance. And I think a lot of farming and ranching workshops and agricultural workshops, we talk about the livestock, we talk about the cropping, we talk about weather and droughts, we talk about finances and how to be profitable. What we aren't talking about is how you have the conversations with your father-in-law, how you have the conversation with your wife, how you get your kids involved, how you, you maintain your integrity so that you don't have a rift with your neighbor. That's what we're not talking about. And so what Joshua and I have really strived to do, and I think where God has led us, is to have some of those conversations and keep that piece of it in balance. Not that that piece needs to to be superior to those other two. We just can't leave it behind. So, yeah, that's the the kind of by basic definition of holistic management. It's keeping those things in balance and then creating a a vision and, and a context for what you're striving for. So in the holistic management courses that we teach, we really want people to have a clear and understood vision amongst all the team members so that everyone knows the direction that they're headed and you can all work together rather than just kind of blindly and unintentionally pulling in different directions. And, you know, one person's working on this, but somebody else is working on that. And and sometimes if, if we don't all, if we're not all pulling in the same direction, we can get off course pretty quickly. So yeah, holistic management for us is is not only something that we teach, it's something that we live, it's something that we use. And, and, and in any given time, we're looking at which piece of, of those three pillars uh, are we not bringing along. And in some cases, that's all it is, is making sure we don't leave it behind. Uh, and, and by doing that, we think that we've caught some things before they got got too out of, out of whack. Uh, and we're able to to address them. And in some scenarios, uh, that's the work that we do. We're helping others to investigate those things, explore those things, and have those tough conversations uh, that are sometimes hard to have uh, just within your own family. Well, I think we're going to have to have you guys both on again to have a conversation on like the on the the business that you've created, training, and all of the how you've seen you know farmers work through those obstacles and those challenges and i don't know if we'll have time to get into that today because i do want to get into your ranching experience and as you came home to the ranch and you made that transition with your prior experience your holistic management instruction maybe just start off now tell me that transition back to the to the ranch 
Sure. Well, one of the things, and, and I, to be honest with you, I didn't realize that this was going to play as big a role as is what I had originally thought. But for the those ten years or so that that I was able to get that kind of training and exposure, anytime that there were local type of events, I asked my father if if he would like to come to them. And and my so- father's not only, not only does he enjoy learning and just he enjoys socializing and of course farming and ranching is his thing and so he came with to a lot of those things and so <laughs> believe it or not when i would bring up ideas he didn't have to hear them from me first he heard them from peers people that were a part of his generation uh, and, and therefore, when, when Josh would bring them up, they weren't just out of the blue and they weren't just that that young guy that's just, you know, thinking crazy again. Uh, he actually had some background in it. And although we hadn't taken a lot of steps until Tara and I moved back to the ranch, uh, he, he was he had been exposed and he was aware. So when we came back here, one of the greatest opportunities about this place is the fact that we were kind of turned loose. Now, keep in mind, we were in our mid-30s. We had had two kids already. Uh, and, and my parents were aware that we had been building on this, our, our knowledge and our experience and our background. We brought along our holistic management business with us so the ranch didn't have to fully support us you know, right off the bat. Um, and, and I think there was a lot of trust that had been built uh, up to that time. And so therefore, when we wanted to try some things, change some things, because we've done everything from introduce new enterprises to get to to get rid of other enterprises that maybe were here before. Uh, we've done some creative approaches to some of the things that we've done uh, water wise, fencing wise, just management timing throughout the year, uh, things like that. And in all those cases, we were allowed to do those things now. My parents have have said that if they ever they want to be included in, and that's a big thing that we do here with our ranch meetings on a, a well, we try to do them on a weekly or, or, or every other week type basis. It doesn't always happen depending on the season, but um, including my parents so that they are aware of what's going on. They can participate to the level that they desire and they're tremendous resources if for varying reasons. And by doing that, when we try something new, they get to be a part of how that plays out. If there's benefits, they get to see it, they get to experience it, they get to be proud of it, just like us. Uh, But likewise, if it doesn't play out well, and we've had some that have, well, they've been wrecks, they they haven't worked out the way that we had, we actually have more brain power looking at it, observing it, and then having discussions about it, about what we might change. And so if there was ever a decision that we were going to make, that, that Tara and I would make that would, well, for instance, mortgage the whole ranch, my parents would absolutely have something to say about it, and, and, and they would. At the same time, they've also allowed us to make mistakes, allowed us to try new things, and yet seek their counsel when we've needed it, or, or, or at times they will offer it when they think we need it, even if we don't ask for it. But we have that kind of relationship that we've built uh, to where uh, we can utilize each other in, in real positive ways. Uh, so when we came here, we were able, as far as take, for instance, the grazing management, we hit that right from the, the very first year we were here. And we already had a few things in place, but we were able to ramp that up uh, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, we, we worked on building community. So, so we have these networks w- within our own community. So we have resources. I've got people that I call around here uh, on a frequent basis when we're 
you know, have trouble with some calving situation or some harvesting situation, uh, that sort of thing. We we have added uh, grass finished beef to our to our operation, and of course, with that didn't just come the production side of it, but it came the money management, the marketing, the communication, the advertising. And so this was this was a role that the Terra got very involved with. And we've kind of maneuvered the different responsibilities around the ranch, playing to our strengths. So so who, whoever's got what strength and interest, we try to give them as much of that particular item as possible. And yet, if we realize we need some training or we need some more education on a certain area to fill a void, uh, we, we will do that as as well. Uh, so. We're really excited about what opportunities are here and what team we have here uh, and excited about what parts of the team are coming up as, of course, as they get older. Uh, it's one reason why we added uh, sheep to our operation. Uh, not only does it pencil uh, pretty well, uh, but it's an, it's an enterprise where our kids at a much earlier age are getting involved with, whereas the cattle, uh, they're participating, but most of the time they're participating if they're you know, on the fence or they're on a horse or they're something like that. But when it gets into the nitty gritty part, they're a little more limited. These sheep, they've been able to, to, to be, at least the older kids have been able to be involved from, from day one. And so that diversity uh, on our place has played a big role. Although I will say that one of the things I've learned from some of my mentors is that diversity or, or diversification of enterprises needs to be functional diversity. I mean, you can't just do anything and everything and expect you're going to be good at all of it and be able to manage all of it. Uh, we need to build and we need to scale, but we need to do it appropriately so that things fit together well and complement each other rather than us just running in eight different directions because, well, we wanted to diversify and now we have eight enterprises. No, I would rather have maybe three enterprises that all really benefit each other and we have leadership on our ranch from the people side of things to manage each of those uh, enterprises. Yeah, there's a lot there. That's awesome. Would you mind digging into a couple of those? I want to start with the grazing enterprise that you talked about and then ask Tara a little bit about the building out of the direct marketing business. But as you, what were the changes you made specifically on your ranch as, with regards to grazing management? What sort of an impact did you see in those first couple of years? And the well, the first thing that we did is is honestly we bought some poly wire and some reels and some step in posts and just started experimenting, and we we tried a few different things, mostly obviously just splitting some pastures and creating more paddocks for us to have the opportunity to to manage to a higher degree. By doing that, we were able to start seeing some things uh, that that we hadn't seen before. Uh, for example, my grandparents and my parents, I think did a really good job of, of taking care of the land, taking care of the place. In fact, they might've been ultra conservative when it came to doing that. There was actually, I think a little more to be had, but when you turn a small number of animals out into a bigger pasture, you're real limited on how you can actually utilize that resource appropriately. Now with more paddocks, we were able to, to do more of that. So that was, that was a, a piece of it. And then the, the second piece of it, which has actually come into more focus here in the last couple of years is trying to find uh, the right fit. And, and by right fit, I mean that in two ways. One is finding the right type of animals that, that fit our landscape. Uh, and, and then the second part is, is the timing of those classes of animals and when they're here. Uh, we, we've got, 
when we look at a ranch, like if we do some facilitation work or, or as we analyze our own ranch, we look at it first as just this one piece of raw resource. And then we try and lay on top of that the enterprises that fit really well with absolute minimal inputs. And by doing that, then we find out, is it, is it cow-calf? Is it stalkers? Is, is, it, is it sheep? Is it you know something different? And what we found out here is, and, and this is, I guess, probably a lot of my opinion, but you know, our most challenging time most years, now this past winter was not one of those, but most challenging time is how do you profitably get beef animals through the winter months? if you're going to be a, in our case, primarily a grass-based operation. And by running uh, cow-calf pairs on this place, which is what this place was for decades and decades, we started to realize that, you know, most of our profit got eaten up by our winter management. And we were trying to graze cover crops. We were trying to graze winter stockpiled grass. We were trying to be real minimal in terms of feeding hay, but we also simply had to be prepared for extremes that could come and sometimes just having that insurance plan in place or that preparedness costs some money and so what we've done here more recently is we've tried to have as few animals as possible here during the winter months and as many animals as possible late spring through fall and what that's caused us to do is is the fit then became keeping all of our own calves on most years running them as yearlings which in order to make room for them, we had to run less cows, but the cows still play a role because that's our source for our grass-fed beef uh, because we can tell the story and know everything about those animals all the way through the process. So it's about kind of not only juggling it, but massaging it into place and it, it fluctuates. You know, this year we're extremely dry and there's some things that are gonna have to be done a little bit differently uh, and probably less animals total on the place. Uh, but that was one of the, or a couple of the things that, that we've, that we've changed, uh, in order to best utilize the resources that we have. And, and then one of the really, I think one of the really underrated resources that we have is our time. And it's one that I have started to value more and more and more. And it's not, I mean, I learned how to work hard as a kid. That's something I learned from my parents and I want to instill that in my kids as well. But what I don't want to do is instill, hey, you're going to work hard even if it loses you money. Now, I understand that any given year, it might simply be about survival and getting through to the next year. But if that's the normal MO every year, then something's not quite right. So we really value that time. And if we're going to work hard, I want to make sure that every hour that we put in is working hard at the things that really make us effective, make us profitable, benefit the resource. And, and, and achieve the quality of life that we're really after. So it, that value ultimately comes back to managing that balance and holistic management that Tara talked about. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And you touched on the grass-fed beef portion, and I want to hear a bit more about that. I, one of the things I love about doing this podcast is I get to ask selfish questions, and, and my <laughs> wife and I are doing a direct marketing business as well. So I want to hear about that, Tara. It sounds like you're kind of taking on that enterprise. If you wouldn't mind just sharing, how did that, you know, what, how did that come up and then how have you built out that market and what's that meant to your business? Okay. So I'm willing to be quite vulnerable here because I do want to say that when we ultimately tra transitioned to the ranch, Joshua grew up here and this 
is is something that he has had wanted for a long time and was very knowledgeable about and could definitely see his place and role very, very clearly here. And I did not, and I could not. And so I do want to be honest that we did go through some challenges and some learning curves and like everyone does. Um, but I really, I really struggled with what my fit here was going to be. And it wasn't that I wasn't willing, I was willing, I was willing to work hard. I was willing to help. It's just that I really didn't know what to do. I didn't have the first clue. And so it took a lot of um, humility and humbling myself and just kind of trying to figure this out because a lot of the stuff that was just second nature to Josh wasn't to me. And so I think we reached, especially our first summer here, we reached um, quite a few frustrating days when the kids and I wanted to be helpful, but we didn't really know what we needed to do. And so it took us kind of stepping, stepping away and, and explaining some of those why questions. Why are we doing this? Why are we putting the fencing here? So that we could have a better understanding of, of what our plan and vision was. But ultimately, as I was kind of struggling to find what my, what my role was going to be on the ranch, in addition to caring for our children and the domestic chores that we've we've just worked out between the two of us. Um, I loving human health. I'm really passionate about healthy food and I love talking about it and I love recommending it. And so this marketing kind of, we realized was a natural fit for me because I love having conversation about nutrition and healthy food with people. And we raise a product that we're very, very proud of. And I like to talk about it, just like I would talk about other things that, that we use and enjoy and like. I mean, I'm happy to offer recommendations and I love to hear other people's recommendations. And so when we decided to direct market, um, it also gave me an opportunity because I am a very social, I tend to be more of an extroverted person, whereas Joshua is more of an introverted personality. And so that also filled a need for me to want to connect with other people. So I wanted to connect with other people who wanted to talk about things that I wanted to talk about. And so it was a good fit for me to, yeah, discuss our, our beef. And I, my major is in education and I'm a minor in English and I do really enjoy writing and the artistry of writing and crafting words in a way that makes them sound appealing. And so it was really fun for me to not just do written descriptions of what our beef was and how we raise our beef and what our ranch looks like. I took on the challenge of creating a website. Now, as much as I love words and, and language and piecing words together. I am not the most technic technical or tech savvy person. So that was a huge learning curve for me too. And it, I probably put in way more hours than I ever would have anticipated, but it was a creative outlet for me to create our website and to market not only our beef, but our other businesses. And it's always a work in progress. I'm constantly making uh, tweaks and changes to it and updating our upcoming events page um, but it, yeah, it became a way for me to find fulfillment in what I was doing. And it definitely took some time and effort for me to get some training so that I could learn the skills and tools that I would need. Um, so yeah, so we market uh, directly to customers, but a lot of our, a lot of our customers, it's word of mouth and our product, you know, when you have a good product, like a lot of you do, it's, it, it sells itself. 
and um, we really value our, our customers and, and we're loyal to, to them. I mean, we have um, part of our holistic context is we want to be perceived as being loyal and trustworthy and transparent and like attracts like. And so our customers tend to be the same. They like the fact that we are honest and upfront about exactly what our, our beef cattle receive, like what, what are they raised on? What's their water supply? We're happy to answer any kinds of questions. So we really want to be transparent in the product that we're selling, which is important to us. Cause you know, if you go to a grocery store and you read labels, a lot of times it'll say grass fed beef, or it'll say natural, or it'll, you know, doesn't even have to be meat that you're buying. It could be anything. And a lot of labels and advertisements can be really misleading. So we've taken full advantage of the fact that especially now more than ever, people want to know their farmers. They want to know where their food is coming from. They want a personal relationship with you. I think so many people are hungry and starving for personal connection. And so this idea of having this ranch that's regenerative and that's offering just the benefits of of our work, of our lifestyle, of using the best of what God has given us to the best of our abilities. Um, people really want to connect with that. So I, I love hearing from people and connecting with them that way. And it's been, it's, it's good to get feedback for us as well. You know, when you sell through other, maybe more conventional outlets, which we still do uh, some, uh, a lot of times there isn't necessarily a lot of feedback that you get from there. But when you sell a food product to someone there's a much better chance that, that you're going to get feedback and, and we value that feedback. We get it. We make changes, you know, according, uh, according to, to what we, what we get as far as that feedback. And it gives us an opportunity to, to share some things that those people maybe wouldn't get exposed to otherwise. So the educational component, the, the agricultural activism, you know, type component, uh, this is a piece that, that we didn't do when I was a kid and probably as much from the standpoint that we didn't think it was necessary. And I think it's absolutely necessary uh, for us to do now. And just those two, and we could go into so many more things. How have those two changes that you impacted between the grazing management and the selection of type of cattle and, and the grass finished beef and share as much as you're comfortable with, but I'm just curious how this has affected your business as you, you talked about. And, and I heard it so many times growing up too. our farm was smaller than the area um, that I was told you needed in my area, a thousand acres per family to farm full-time. And we were 400 acres, you know, well beneath. And my dad managed to build a profitable business through diversification and managing in different ways. So I'm just curious to whatever level you're comfortable sharing, how has this impacted your business from a profitability uh, stance? Well, it, it, it just in general, it has absolutely positively affected our, our profitability uh, from one standpoint, just simply uh, being able to not have to, you know, our, our, our grass finished beef ends up being priced similarly, you know, each and every year. So just from a planning standpoint, it allows us some stability uh, versus, hey, one year the market's high, one year the market's low, and, and you got to you got to work with that. Uh, but so that gives a, a little bit of stability there. We know there's a market that we can go to. And at, and at this point, the demand has been tremendous and we're able to, to keep filling that enterprise and scaling it a, a bit more all the time. Uh, and, and the grazing part of it then just feeds back into the, the kind of the foundational quantity component, not just quality, but quantity of how many animals we can run here. And 
it's not particularly easy to expand horizontally where we're at. And I know it's even much more challenging in, in lots of other places. But instead of running ourselves ragged, trying to run here, there and everywhere just to try and pick up more ground. And we do have uh, rented ground. It's not all right next to where we're based here. Uh, but all of that comes back into, hey, if we do this, if we pick up this, number one, is it going to be profitable? Number two, how is it going to affect our quality of life? Number three, can we actually do a good job of managing that? Uh, because we try and manage our rented ground just like we manage our, our own place. So from a profitability standpoint, it's all of these pieces that got to come together. It's not simply, hey, is it black or is it red below that last line on the sheet of paper? Uh, but the grazing part has given us more flexibility to manage through droughts, to take advantage of maybe when we do get excessive uh, moisture. Um, and the, and the, the grass finishing deal has continually provided us an outlet uh, that we can go to with more and more of our animals than we maybe could before. Just from a number standpoint, you know, with our with our planned, our holistic planned grazing that we've been able to use, I would say on a typical year, we probably run 130 to 140 percent of of what a what county average is is supposed to be. Now that's not every year. Uh, and, and it really, really depends. But if you just take the animal units on the number of acres and, and go that route from a real simplistic standpoint, that's one of the advantages that the grazing has given us uh, right off the right off the bat. So I've got last three questions. Um, this first one is your ranch name, Seek First Ranch. Uh, you've mentioned multiple times so far how God has led you in certain ways, and I, have ima I imagine that name somewhat goes back to the Bible verse. I'd just be curious to hear your perspective. I love the name. I think it's awesome. And just share maybe a little bit about that and and how your faith has played into your your choices, your decisions, and your, your ranch business. We joke now because I admit that I was adamantly opposed to moving to the ranch, to it becoming my idea. And so I jokingly take credit for it when I know really it, it was Joshua's desire. I finally surrendered to the thought of it and saw benefit to it. But ultimately it was because God moved in our lives and not just from the ranching perspective and deciding to move here. He moved in our lives in, in leading us and equipping us and, and guiding us. It's not because our circumstances have always been easy. We've had uh, plenty of challenges and things that um, have, have come our way that we didn't necessarily expect but ultimately we know that God is sovereign. And so we know that when we seek him first, everything else will fall in line um, the way that it, it needs to. Again, not that it's always going to be easy, but that he's with us. And so we, we chose the name Seek First Ranch. Again, I love language and I love meaning behind words. And so that name just, it, it, it was so evident to us for two main reasons. Number one, yes, the Matthew 6, 33 Bible verse, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be given to you. And so the concept of, yes, being intentional about putting God's will first. There were so many times in my life and sometimes I catch myself still, still doing it, making the mistake of of running forward with my own plans and not stopping to seek God's will. And it serves me well every single time to seek his will first. He knows the future and, and I don't. And the 
and I think you have something to add, but the second reason we wanted the name Seek First is because it really became our mission statement. We want to seek first. We want to answer, we want to ask questions first. And we've really worked to be intentional about asking the questions and focusing more on the questions than the answer. We want to really ask the deep questions, even when they're hard and even when it's not easy. And even when the, you know, even when the answer seems really far away, um, we want to be really intentional about brainstorming and thinking creatively. Um, you know, relationships can be very complicated, but Joshua and I want to use the brainstorming power of both of us and include his parents when necessary and, and our kids and yeah, ask those questions, but ultimately seek God first and then uh, the vision of what our logo looks like really just, it fell into place. I mean, the way that, that I'm trying to visually describe it, um, a lazy S, the S turns into the F and then, yeah, and then it's across. That's and, so cool. Yeah. And then it was actually um, a, a delightful woman and family who took one of our holistic management intro courses a number of years ago. She is a graphic artist. And so she helped uh, create our logo really took the, vi the, the the vision that we had for it and brought it to life with the beautiful logo. We wanted something simple, but we wanted it to be meaningful. We really wanted it to represent us and, and our beliefs um, just for us as a reminder, but also to, again, like attracts like. So we want, we want to do our due diligence as stewards of the land and we want to attract people who believe some of the same things and and go from there. It's, it's the type of thing that gives us direction every day. Mm -hmm. And the only reason that it doesn't is if we stop asking or stop looking at it and referencing it. So we wanted something that could be uh, not only represent us, but give us, give ourselves direction uh, each and every day. Yeah. And sometimes just relinquish control. I think oftentimes we think that we need to control, 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 and, and we can do ourselves a good favor by taking a step back and being prayerful and by, yeah, brainstorming and yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And and your logo is cool. Whoever that made that deserves a raise because that's that's brilliant. <laughs> I really I really like it. Yes, she's delightful to work with. Yes, awesome. Uh, next question I've got uh, is if you had one resource or one or two resources that you would recommend to somebody can be anything book, podcast, conference, uh, whatever. What would you recommend they check out? First of all, I, our, our website is, is something that we continually try to use for that purpose, uh, just to inform people about our, our, our schools, our facilitation services, uh, upcoming events, uh, other workshops, even if it doesn't involve us, but, but it's something that we really think is beneficial and can be helpful, uh, we will put it on there. So seekfirstranch.com uh, is, is, is that website. And then to just add a, a piece to that, you know, one of the things that we have, we used to try and we used to try and teach everything and, 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 and do everything because holistic management is about working in holes and whole situations that involve a lot of things. And the thing is, is there are lots of uh, lots of really great resources out there. And, and we're the type that we want to play our role in the larger agricultural community. 
and, and that's through our schools and through our facilitation services. Uh, if, if people want to have a really, you know, deep understanding of soil biology, uh, we're, we're going we're to send you to a different school like the Soil Health Academy from Understanding Ag or, or if you want, you know, marketing or if you want the little more of the business side or really hardcore, you know, economic and financial, you might go to Ranching for Profit or you might go to uh, Wally Olson Marketing School or, or, or Stockmanship. You're going to go to, you know, Tina Williams and Richard McConnell or a whole variety of others. Those are just the ones that have played a, a big impact for us. Uh, but but we try to fill in the, the spaces that we think we have strengths uh, and, and therefore our schools, although they involve the biological piece and the resource management and some finance. Um, we also have a lot of what Tara talked about, this social and relational piece and how to have those conversations and how to solve conflict and, and how to you know establish a vision. And, and then those are the second steps that we will take with individual family or business facilitation. Uh, so those resources that we have, I, I would start at our website and that a lot of times that'll lead to a lot of these other uh, other avenues. But I would just encourage people to just stay connected, uh, find podcasts like like yours and others uh, find. Uh, uh, and I know 2020 was maybe a, a, a little more lenient to the or lent itself to the online stuff. And so take advantage of those things. Uh, hopefully in 2021, it'll lend itself back to some, some personal, uh, in-person, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, take in some of these schools, these workshops, these tours, and, and just get, get connected with people. One of the mistakes I did when, when uh, prior to moving to the ranch, I was on the road an extensive amount of time throughout the year. I was away from home a lot of weeks out of the year. And to be honest with you, at that point, probably six, seven years ago, I was really burnt out. So moving to the ranch was honestly a really good respite. The downside of that is for about two, almost three years, I didn't go to a lot of workshops. I didn't stay connected. And I didn't realize it right away, but I started traveling down a fairly slippery slope. And it wasn't until I had a couple of my mentors help catch me uh, and, and ask me some tough questions that I realized how far I had kind of fallen and I needed to re-engage and I needed to bring my family with me. And, and we did that and we had missed quite a bit over a very short period of time, but I did not realize just being disconnected from some of that larger circle of family and, and friends and mentors that Tara had mentioned earlier, just what a difference that makes. And simply by continuing on an educational path and taking in these things and the people involved with them, I think is is just really, really important. And Tara, do you have any resources maybe to add specifically to that mental, physical, human health that you would recommend somebody look into? We don't have enough time for that. <laughs> I have a ton of recommendations, but really, I think as much as I have recommendations and I think there's wonderful things out there, I know that sometimes people can also... It, some stages in their life just kind of feel overwhelmed and maybe not know what to, where to start, or maybe that you're just in a place where you think you need something, but your heart's just not in it. I think if this speaks to anybody, take some time and just pause and really reflect on, you know, do I, what is it that I need? What is it that I'm seeking? And of course, I'm always a fan of divine intervention because the Lord knows what we need and what the future holds beyond what we do. So a lot of very 
prayerful moments have been so key for me to just ask God to lead me to what it is that he knows that I need and, and find the resources that you really need at that time and, and go to those. Um, so yeah, there's, there's phenomenal books and podcasts and, and websites and marketing recommendations. I mean, all kinds of things, but it's just so that it doesn't feel overwhelming, tune into what it is that you truly need at that time. And then, um, yeah, just see what you find. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And we'll have to have you come back on to talk more specifically on that topic, because I think that's a really important topic that doesn't probably get covered enough, especially in this industry is, um, taking care of oneself. So I, I, well, I shouldn't volunteer you for that, but I would love to have you come back on oh, I'd be, another one. I'd be thrilled. I, I love it. It's very close to my heart and I, it, it's, it's always awesome. joyful for me to talk about that with other people. Well, thank you. And, and my last question was to, uh, you know, how, how can people find more uh, about you guys and, and if they're interested in reaching out or, um, attending one of your schools and things, and, and it sounds like direct them towards seekfirstranch.com would be the best way to do that. If there's any other ways that people should reach out to you. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise I, I think we'll wrap it up there and, and thank you so much for your time today. It was uh, fantastic. And I really look forward to more conversations in the future. Thank you for having us on. And uh, it's, it's not hard to talk about the things that, that we're excited about and, and like to share with others. And uh, thank you for doing what, what you do as well. Uh, it's podcasts like, like yours that, give us access to into other people's stories and into their lives. And, and by far, I've just really appreciated people willing to share the, both the good and the, and the hardship part of, part of things. And, and by you doing what you do, we, we get a chance to, to hear that. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. The Herd Quitter Podcast is brought to you by Faro Cattle Company, whose mission is to help ranchers put more fun and profit into their business. You can get more information on Faro Cattle Company at farocattle.com. And if you enjoy what you've heard on this podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Herd Quitter Podcast or at herdquitterpodcast.com.